0: Coming up, what an excellent day for bridges. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 81 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Ryan-Clark.
1: And I'm Keenan Diaz.
0: And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. All right, so our minute begins with Karis fishing for a cigarette.
1: And it ends with Chris saying, oh.
0: And folks, I want to open this minute with another reading, picking up right where we left off. So here we go. A reading from the book of Bladdy. Got a cigarette, father? He reached into the pocket of his shirt. Can you go non-filter? Right now I'd smoke rope. He tapped out a camel from the packet. On my allowance, I frequently do. <laughs> vow of poverty, she murmured, as she slipped out the cigarette, smiling tightly. A vow of poverty has uses, he commented, reaching in his pocket for matches. Like what? Makes rope taste better? Again, a half smile, as he watched her hand holding the cigarette. It trembled. He saw the cigarette wavering in quick, erratic jumps, and without pausing, he took it from her fingers and put it up to his mouth. He lit it. His hands cupped around the match. He puffed, gave the cigarette back to Chris, his eyes on the cars passing over the bridge. Lot easier. Breeze from the traffic, he told her. Thanks, father. Chris looked at him appraisingly, with gratitude, even with hope. She knew what he'd done. She watched as he lit up a camel for himself. He forgot to cup his hands. As he exhaled, they each leaned an elbow on the parapet. Where are you from, Father Karras? Originally. New York. Me too. Wouldn't ever go back, though, would you? Karras fought down the rise in his throat. No, I wouldn't. He forced a smile. But I didn't have to make those decisions. God, I'm dumb. You're a priest. You have to go where they send you. That's right. How'd a shrink ever get to be a priest? She asked. He was anxious to know what the urgent problem was that she'd mentioned when she telephoned. She was feeling her way, he sensed. Toward what? He must not prod. It would come. It would come. It's the other way around, he corrected her gently. The Society... Who? The Society of Jesus. Jesuit is short for that. Oh, I see. The Society sent me through medical school and through psychiatric training. Oh, where? Oh, well, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, Bellevue. He was suddenly aware that he wanted to impress her. Why, he wondered, and immediately saw the answer in the slums of his boyhood, in the balconies of theaters on the Lower East Side. Little Dimmy with a movie star. Not bad, she said appraisingly, nodding her head. We don't make vows of mental poverty. She sensed an irritation, shrugged, turned front facing out to the river. Look, it's just that I don't know you, and... She dragged on the cigarette, long and deep, and then exhaled, crushing out the butt on the parapet. You're a friend of Father Dyer, is that right? Yes, I am. Pretty close? Pretty close. Did he talk about the party? At your house? At my house? Yes. He said you seemed human. She missed it, or ignored it. Did he talk about my daughter? No, I didn't know you had one. She's 12. He didn't mention her? No. Yeah, I wanted to read that one, folks. Mostly for the little thing with the cigarette. How he (laughs) he takes it from her shaking hands and makes the excuse that though the wind is making it uh, hard to light. And then he lights his own and he forgets to cup his hands. It's another nice little touch, I think.
1: I like uh, from this reading how, you know, one of the things a novel can do because a film is performative and you have to rely entirely on subtext is Mm. that a novel can put us in the mind of both characters at the same time. So Mm. we could see how they're misunderstanding each other or how, okay, as Karis, I'm going to do this to help you. And then as Chris, I'm going to completely misread that. Right. That's just just not um, how plays and and movies work.
0: Yeah. 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 but yeah, like the book and the movie are are pretty similar here on the surface, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um but actually, Keenan, it almost feels like to me that Friedkin's version is the more emotional and Bladys mm-hmm. is the more technical, right? Like uh, I'm, I'm I'm impressed by the dialogue and the exchange between Chris and Karis in the book. I'm impressed, like on a technical level, but Friedkin is able to get a similar feeling with less words and just a few shots of these two actors. And and they are bringing their own emotions and their own way of carrying those emotions to the scene in a way that is natural and truthful to screen Chris and screen Karis. And honestly, as much as I, I mourn the loss of some... Um, Really snappy dialogue. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those same words would feel right in the filmed version of the scene, right? Like, Kenan, we we know that Blatty wrote the screenplay as well. What what does that look like at this point?
1: So, in our version of the script that is from December of seventy two, it is pretty close to the uh, film version. Uh, okay. uh, so we have just a little bit of um, at the very beginning of uh, where Chris thinks that Karras is hitting on her, or or some weirdo, where he says "keep moving, creep." Okay. Um, and then beyond that, it is much more pared down. There. Are fewer jokes, um, mm. so it is. It is. It is almost the exact same as the movie, and I, I, I think see. that's that's potentially why um, the movie I and mean, the movie is so fraught. That's the word that I keep thinking about, like how fragile it is, right? Yeah, and the, how Chris could break at any time. It feels like, and Carissa mm-hmm, mm-hmm. seems more afraid of, like, yeah, her falling apart on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I think when it's pared down like that, it, it, it all we're what we're like bringing in the. The emotional impact of how visceral the previous scene was, where she mm-hmm. was forced to you know simulate oral sex on her daughter and right. her daughter's bloody wounds, and then is smacked across the floor and discovers her butler is, has been knocked unconscious, and you know all mm-hmm. that kind of like. So we're still thinking about all that terrible stuff here, right? Right,
0: right, and and you can hear all of that in in Ellen Burstyn's very small kind of like and tired, please go away,
1: right? right?
0: Like that's that's very audible versus like yeah, if you had kind of like the uh, the film noir and I'm thinking like, even with like the saxophone in the back, it's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. you seemed human. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is, I really know that's wonderful. not how, how Blattie's doing it, but <laughs> right. Yeah. It's really wonderful dialogue that you're talking about from, from Blattie's book. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting. It puts us in the perspective of like Karis as a, as someone who talks to people for a living, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a therapist and a priest. And like, he's talking through his process, which is interesting of like, yes, okay, I, you know, oh, I could feel myself trying to get ahead and trying to get to the results. But remember the process is, right. she, it will come out. Like you don't, you don't have to ask that question. She will answer it for you. Yes. Later on, right? And I'm someone, you know, part of my job at school is I interview people. I'll I'll bring an in industry guest, and I've mm-hmm. I've tried to develop those types of skills. It's interesting to hear, you know, go back to your training, Garris. Think, you know, don't don't get too emotional here. Think about this. Right. But, um, but again, in a movie, we don't necessarily. Have time for you know insights into process, right. like internal processes, and then we don't necessarily need it. We still get the, the fraught emotionality of it. Exactly. Yes. I'll think of a synonym for fraught, but that's what I keep uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thinking here.
0: Synonym for fraught? Yeah. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, actually, yeah. Thank you, Keenan. Yes. Um. Oh, one thing I also wanted to talk about here is the use both in the book and the movie of a bridge Mm -hmm. and how that can be symbolic of a bunch of things. Remember, folks, we just got done with a long and arduous act one, and we are now standing on this bridge halfway between two sides of this river, right? So there's that, certainly, right? Um, The beginning of a new act, a new chapter. Actually, the University of Michigan's um, fantasy and science fiction website has a dictionary of symbolism with an entry on bridge. Bridges that I want to read here. Um, So it says The bridge is inherently symbolic of communication and union, whether it be between heaven and earth hmm, or two distinct realms. For this reason, it can be seen as the connection between God and man. It may be the passage to reality or merely a symbol for travel and crossing. In dreams, a bridge symbolizes the passage from one state to another higher one, like an ascension. It is the end of one cycle and the beginning of another. In many cultures, it is the link between what can be perceived and what is beyond perception, or at least a change or desire for change. It can be a test to see who is brave, who will cross. Hmm. Interesting. So honestly, I don't think there's a single thing mentioned in that paragraph that doesn't apply here. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: fits, it fits perfectly with everything that's happening in this story and, and what this story is about, like right down to the communication and union between heaven and earth, right? Remember, folks, those six themes that I put out there at the beginning of this podcast, right? Doubt, isolation, despair, and then we have our good ones— conviction, communion, and hope, right? Both of our characters have been suffering alone, and now they find each other on this bridge, communication and also communion, and then Karis himself being this bridge, this connection between God and man, heaven and earth, right? Not just in his job as a priest and a psychiatrist, but also in his own personal life, his own uh, personal struggle with faith, right? This can this can also be seen as a crossing of the threshold for Karis. right? Which, again, is happening relatively late in this movie, even though— it's usually early on in the uh, traditional like hero journey, mm-hmm. um, but Karis is leaving the world that he knows and entering into something that he has never experienced before.
1: Right, the crossing of the first threshold is uh, a way that uh, people talk about Joseph Campbell's um, mm-hmm. paradigm and screenwriting structure. So that is yes. the the bridge between Act One and Act Two. <laughs> so, yeah. All so right. again, another yeah idea that this would be Act Two rather than deep into Act Two already.
0: Right. And remember, folks, the dictionary also said that it can be a passage to reality. And I thought this one was interesting because up to this point, Karras' faith is based on hypotheticals, ideas, thoughts, and feelings which contrast with what he actually sees in the world. They're pretty thoughts which he's not even sure he believes in, right? His faith is, His faith is almost as academic as his psychiatry. But... Crossing this bridge, this passage to reality, he is going to come face to face with an actual demon, and his faith will be tested. It also says a bridge is the link between what can be perceived and what is beyond perception. He is going to start questioning whether what he is seeing, uh, what he is hearing, is actually real. It's the quote from the beginning of this part, actually, in Blatty's book, right? It says, you do not believe, although you have seen, John uh, 6, uh, verses 36 to 37, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, hopefully, this is an ascension for him, right? That passage from one state to a higher one, which which bridges also symbolize, right? And remember, Friedkin uses that too. He remarks that his characters are always ascending in this movie, right? Answering a call, stepping up to face something. Even in the beginning of this scene, before Karis gets to the bridge, we got him walking up the road towards us. And because of the angle, it looks like he's coming up out of mm-hmm, the ground, right? right? Where he has spent so much of his time but now he is rising he is rising to the challenge rising to the rescue of this mother and her daughter great stuff
1: that's interesting i, I like what you're talking about here about okay Karis, for him it's become academic or theoretical i suppose right mm. like the the idea of god and god's existence um for blatty to to quote right this this sequence uh this um these series of quotes from john is about a lot of things but it's also about um not believing uh seeing Jesus walking on water. Is that right. right. Yeah. yeah like exactly. actually
0: seeing like the yeah. reality of it. It's like,
1: yeah. What hmm. else? Like that. So I'm, I'm, I don't mean to paraphrase uh, your Lord, uh, right? but, <laughs> but he's like, I just I adjust. Plenty
0: of Christians have already done that. Keenan.
1: Right, but it's much more elegant with the, the, the actual quote. The blah but but like I, I I just walked across water, right? Like, like literally, yeah, literally just a second ago. And so, like, mm-hmm. what other sign are you looking for here, right? Yeah. Um, so that's interesting because, like, as you 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 know, you're you're changing my interpretation of the film as we've mm. done this podcast because partially because you read the book and partially mm. because you're you know a Christian, but but like mm. the idea of like Karras having to, um, like Karras seeing the demon will be his seeing Jesus walk on water moment.
0: Yes, precisely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that will that that be actually, like like he will see it. He's going to um, he's going to deny it still, mm-hmm. even though it's directly in his face. And then ultimately, when he recognizes that it's real, right? When he does recognize that, that's that's the end of the movie.
0: Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And,
1: and that, that, <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry.
0: No. No. That's the, that's the. I mean, and and I can't wait until we get to it, folks. But right. no, like one of the one of the demons, like main um, barbs mm-hmm. at Karis is. It's like, you, you think you don't believe because you, you haven't seen miracles yet. Mm-hmm, right. You know, you, you say that, but like, I'm showing you miracles, dude. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. still don't believe the problem isn't the absence of miracles. The problem right. is you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's and, I, and I love that. It's like, like, even when I like, and what, what does he say? It's like, yeah, no, nothing, nothing would work on you. There's, mm-hmm. there's not a single miracle that would actually make you believe.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, because some of what Karis has been um, going through is like he's blaming God for not being visible, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like it's God's fault that he doesn't believe. Like God, like right. who God is testing, you know? And why? Why would you test if you're so powerful? And yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's there's a moment in the book where like he's 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 desperately praying and he, and he says like just please just come to me in dreams just like show me just give me a sign right? Mm-hmm. He's begging for a sign, and then the demon gives him all of these signs and. If, if that's really all it took, then he would be fine. But nope, it, then the problem is much deeper then. Right.
1: And to go back to the uh, the Faust trap for a second, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we had done before. The Faust trap. Okay, here we go. Do we have Faust music?
0: We do, we do. <laughs> oh, good. And it's different from, uh, it's different from, uh, um, so it, it, well, it would be the Marlowe trap. We have Marlowe trap, yes. So we have Marlowe music, which is different from uh, Shakespeare music, Oh, yes.
1: thank God. <laughs>
0: wouldn't be able to do another single episode of this thing if, if the Marlowe music and the Shakespeare music were the same
1: we don't want to get involved in that in that fandoms uh, yeah. you know uh, their, their debates or anything yeah <laughs> we don't like to go to, to Marlowe con <laughs> 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 dress as a Shakespearean character and have them look oh, at us. God yeah
0: <laughs> that'd be that'd be like going to Star Wars con dressed
1: as a, a Spock right exactly <laughs> Right. Who's cause... this Mephistopheles guy? Get this. Yeah, I get this guy. You show, you show up as Mercutio instead of yeah. Mephistopheles. <laughs> Who's this
0: Iago? God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but in um in Marlowe's Dr. Faustus, right? Mm-hmm. Um uh Mephistopheles gives Faust the power of of you know reality essentially. He gives mm-hmm. him all the infinity stones. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to trick the kids into thinking right.
0: making, making Marlo is the
1: school. Yeah, right? he gives him all the infinity stones. Mm-hmm. He's able to conjure Helen of Troy, he's able to, to learn all the knowledge there is, everything and, mm-hmm. and still Marlo feels or not Marlo, um uh Faustus <laughs> Dr. Faustus, he feels unfulfilled. And he's like, well, I, you know, this, this is sort of proving to me that there isn't a God and Mephistopheles mocks him similarly and is like, is like, like, this is the proof that there is God, you have given you the powers of God, essentially, Um, that is proof that that God is real. And you, the problem is in you, right? The problem isn't, um, isn't in God's ability to reach you like you, there's nothing that would ever convince you because you're broken.
0: Yes, and that is why I wanted to bring the book into this thing. Mm-hmm. I know this is a movies by minute podcast, and we're examining the movie The Exorcist, mm-hmm. but that is a that is a side of the demon, um, much like Mephistopheles in in Marlowe's uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Faustus, where it it's it's almost like he's angry mm-hmm. at Faustus for being unworthy. It's mm-hmm. like no, the problem is you. Like look at all of this stuff. Like almost almost as if he's speaking on God's behalf. It's right. like I don't know why God loves you. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Look at, look at all, look at all of your flaws. Look at all of your inconsistencies. Like, like, and you're the ones that we're supposed to. Yeah. Like I, I, I love that, that side of our captain Howdy. And again, Maybe I'm putting that into our Captain Howdy because I've read other things, mm-hmm. um, but that remains to be seen as we as we go through this and, and we take a, a closer look at it.
1: Well, Lester, you have become a real film student because as I mm. say here at UNLV film to my students, only film students apologize for doing research. <laughs> They think it's like cheating somehow to bring in other texts and other things that they've read, and other like they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I looked this up." They literally say this, like, "I'm sorry, I looked this up."
0: I'm sorry, (laughs) Professor Keenan. I'm I'm I apologize. I learned French. (laughs) But they literally so that I could get a better that. understanding of this. Film.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh, I don't mean to do this, but I read the source material. I was like, well, why is that? A, why is that a wrong thing? Like, why is that opinion not valid for, for mm-hmm. whatever reason? Like, it, it, you know, yeah. Anyway, so yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> You've graduated Congratulations. now. <laughs> but uh, I like your um, your research here, your, your homework with this mm-hmm. online. What was the, the symbolism of dictionary? I'm sorry the, the, <laughs> No wait The one who said The Dictionary of Symbolism The symbol is usually a dictionary. symbolize <laughs> I've never had a dream Where I uh, dream about a dictionary So I would love no, to know yeah. What a dictionary means What in the hell dream. does that mean Yeah
0: I uh, know Yeah The Dictionary of Symbolism There we go um, From the University of Shit Michigan. No not the University Yeah Michigan Yeah <laughs>
1: Well, thing, yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, so I'm not an expert on Jung or, um, and Freud or you, I mean, is that something that mm. you've read a lot about? Um,
0: I, in it's college. Okay. But, okay but, yeah. yeah.
1: So you might, yeah, yeah. So, so there are people who are way, way more steeped than it than than I am Jungian mm-hmm. archetypes and Freudian paradigms and, and all of that. But just a, a brief overview, we talked about this a little bit before about like dream analysis and, and that sort mm-hmm. of idea. Um, but like, Young took, uh, Freud's ideas. And again, like Freud and Young were, were talking about this as scientists, and then their work has been debunked. Right. Like mm. scientifically. But um, because because the ideas that they were professing were not scientific, they're not testable. How do you test what something means in a dream? You know, right, that, that's right. untestable. Um, mm. But so we still use it a lot in literary studies, though, obviously. Yes. Yeah. And so in, in screenwriting, it is sort of built into um, into how we, we think about screenwriting structure in a way that we don't necessarily connect them with Jungian archetypes. Like we will talk about refusal of the call of adventure and, Mm -hmm. you know, crossing the first threshold and Mm -hmm. um, all all that stuff that we use from the hero's journey. But the hero's journey idea from Joseph Campbell is, is Jungian at its, it's like base right? because we're dealing with archetypes. And so Jung would, um, he talked about primordial images, which Hmm. then became archetypes. Um, He adapted them later to the idea of archetypes. And the idea was that like, there are things that are inherent in our biology Mm. that are like um locks waiting for keys so Mm. there are there are these things in us that we Mm. will once we encounter something in our real lives that matches that lock they'll feel incredibly impactful to us Mm. so the idea of like okay it's inherent in us uh, through what he called the collective unconscious, right? Like Mm -hmm. that, like our ideas of motherhood are inherent in us. And so Mm. then for most of us, we see our ideas of motherhood reflected in our mother and it hits us in that emotional way. Like our, we are evolutionary waiting, evolutionarily designed to wait for mothering, sweet, um, you know, nurturing femininity. Right. And then when that happens, we go, ah, that's what I needed right so then in stories he argues similarly and if you're like this all sounds like bullshit yeah sure (laughs) but (laughs) but like in in stories similarly he argues like there are ways that we like what is a villain like what is a love interest like and and that they are inherent in us and we're waiting for the stimuli out there that hits us in just those ways so that's Mm. what he was calling the archetypes right yes so a bridge archetype, you know, a, bri- mm-hmm. a bridge image is like, we've just been waiting for that in our, in our body somewhere.
0: Right. Right. And even if we don't consciously recognize it, right. right. There is like a part of our, our makeup, right. Some, some cells, some, somewhere in a corner of our, of our jelly little brain, right. um, is, is going to like react to that. And it's like, Oh, a bridge.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a bridge. Exactly. A bridge must mean this because yeah, it, in my everyday life, when I'm on a bridge, this is what it feels like to me. And so this matches mm-hmm. that story. Idea, and again, they are. It's an unscientific idea, even though we we young and youngian people talk about it. I, I'm trying not to insult them, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's unscientific because it can't be tested. We we cannot right. right. But there are there are similar ideas that um, again they're on the verge of trying to test. Like the idea of like aesthetically why we why we respond to blue and green as being calming might have right. to do more with the fact that like evolutionarily we have um, we have been trained isn't the word, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we have we have conditioned Conditioned is a scientific mm-hmm. word that means something. Right. Mm-hmm. We have evolved to understand that like blue landscapes and green landscapes are safer or have more health to them or are places mm-hmm. where we can find food. And so right, like, more
0: fertile yeah, and, and
1: water and plant water. Life. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And so, you know, so the cool colors tend to be calmer for us as opposed to the mm-hmm. warm colors, which suggest, you know, evolutionarily places that we would have to be um, struggling through more.
0: Right, something is desolate. Something is uh, without uh, growing things. Um
1: right. or on fire. it's on fire. Yeah, <laughs> right. So again, that's not necessarily testable, and they're 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 they've been trying to find you know the verges of how to test that kind of thing out. So right now they are they are pseudoscientific, um, and mm-hmm. you know the the trouble with Freud and Jung is that they were they were so ahead of their time and talking about things um, and made you know claims that were not scientific and but they were saying mm-hmm. they were science so that when they got when they were debunked you know science went into a pretty hard direction against them right they were like this right. is yeah. this is just religion with another name for it yeah. but in literature yeah we don't give a shit yeah, <laughs> yeah give it to us it's wonderful we love it <laughs> yes it's like
0: whatever it is in the <laughs> whatever scientific whatever world it is. is really fun to like analyze and play with
1: incredibly useful stuff
0: right yeah yeah um so yeah after Lighting the cigarette for Chris, he tries to initiate conversation. He knows that she wants to talk to him about something, but I I think I, he can see that she needs a little bit more time, like we were looking at in the book. Right. Um, so he looks up to the sky and he says, cold. <laughs> they begin to walk and Chris makes an attempt at conversation as well. She asks, uh, how did a shrink ever get to be a priest? And as she's talking, she like she's constantly fidgeting with her coat, mm-hmm. her scarf, her glasses, like making sure that she is covered, making sure she is concealed. And by doing that, our eyes keep going back to the edge of those glasses and the beginnings of whatever that is under mm-hmm. them. Um, What is that? What, what is going on under those glasses? I'm, I am I know. I'm, this right. Is yeah.
1: Right. But this is our this is our typical this is our Funko Pop Chris. Right. This is the design yeah. of her like like covered up in um, big movie star glasses. And we are just yeah. so, so wondering, yeah, in, the, in that scarf, wondering what's going on under there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Karis actually says it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. The society, Society of Jesus, right? The Jesuits um, sent him through medical school. And as they talk, they're walking closer and closer to us as if we are on that bridge and they're passing us. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we get another cut. Um, Chris is not quite ready to say what she wants to say. Instead, uh, she pursues. She's like, oh. Where? And Karras says Harvard, Bellevue, Johns Hopkins, places like that.
1: Yeah. And then we don't have the part where, where he says, like, I'm trying to impress her, which is interesting. Right. Here, here yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. if, if I get that. He is trying to impress her. He sounds very matter of fact. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But that brings up an interesting question, Lester, because we've been to Bellevue. Yes. That's where his mother was. So he is saying exactly. that he did what's part of his residency or part of his training at Bellevue which is super interesting when we think about back to that scene where it seems we sort of came to this conclusion. It seems like he's trying not to show that he's a doctor there or a priest. Right. Right. Um, So he's also trying to pretend that like, you know, you know, like I used to, I used to, I worked at target for about 12 years. I don't know if I've talked to you about this. So like, (laughs) uh, I think, I think I'm finally getting to the point where like now it's been, such a long time that I don't know how things work at Target anymore so I couldn't uh-huh. but you know, uh, you know you go in there and like oh I know exactly how what this is and what this is and all the things behind the scenes and um, mm-hmm. like when you go I've been to Disneyland and people who work at Disneyland and they're like oh yeah. and behind this is behind this or that. and so he's trying very you know he must be doing that too at Bellevue which we hadn't thought about yeah like oh, oh gosh, I know yeah. exactly where all this stuff is and he's leading um, he's leading Uncle Tito, Uncle John down that hallway <laughs> um, right. because he he's worked there
0: yeah oh and not only that, mm-hmm. Keenan, but that just made me realize how much more
1: awful that is. <laughs> oh no! Sorry. Because that's a place.
0: <laughs> that's a place that I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you can help me, but I don't know why that's more awful. Mm-hmm. But a place that he has worked at, a mm-hmm. place that he's he's probably overseen that
1: same room. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's a big with crowd, all of yeah. those people. Yeah. yeah,
0: like shuffling around in there, right. and now one of those people mm-hmm. is his mom. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh God.
1: Yeah, but I, would I be, thought we had gotten away from this, Keenan. <laughs> uh, that's our least favorite scene. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but I, I'd be interested now to to think about that and go back and look and like, yeah, because he he's he's walking around like we don't have a nurse showing him around or anything. Mm-hmm. He's walking around, he goes to that place, and then he's like, okay, I know where this is. He knows exactly
0: where to go. He's yeah.
1: like, hey, you know, but he doesn't like, hey, I know exactly where to go. I, I've worked here. He's he doesn't want right. to lead that on, but he's like, hello, I, this is who I am. Yeah, he doesn't say I'm Father Damien. He doesn't say I'm I'm uh, Doctor Karras. He's just like,
0: right, you know, right. Oh my god, yeah, and but just, yeah, like I, I can see that it's like because, and I, and I'm not speaking for I I know that mm-hmm. um yeah you know, I'm I'm not saying that that doctors and nurses treat patients like um implements of their job, but now I'm thinking about Karis working with these patients in here
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like. Now one of them is is his mom, but That's they like,
1: do have to treat them like implements of their job to some extent, because otherwise they would not to do a good job. Yeah, yeah, they would not. How could you say, "Hey, I have to go and talk to someone else now"? Right? Mm-hmm. You just sit by one patient's side for your whole shift and deal with for them for the
0: entire time. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah,
1: you have to treat them like okay. These are these are you know lines on a to do list. You know these are. Mm-hmm. These are pips. These are, you know, like you have to.
0: Boxes to check. Boxes
1: yeah. to check. I was going to say like bosses in a video game, which is, I think, <laughs> like like how, I don't know. I think a lot of people our age and younger think like that, like, you know, like mm-hmm, d- dividing mm-hmm. tasks into like video game of right. sort of ideas. Is, this is a
0: mini boss. This is, yeah, a, yeah, and it is unhealthy. a side quest. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: It's unhealthy. And, you know, when you're talking about human beings again, but I think you have to have some kind of carp- uh, compartmentalization or else you would just go crazy.
0: Right. Just so that, just so that you can perform your, your job to the, the best right. of your abilities. Exactly. And yeah, I think we talked about that when we, when we had teeny tiny tanny on the screen um, and his reflective glasses, making it look like he has no emotion, but right. like maybe that's,
1: that's what he needs. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, started to take us back to Bellevue and all that terrible stuff. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. We didn't do it. It was Karis. It was Karis' fault. He mentioned it.
1: This damn bridge. The bridge goes yes. both ways, folks.
0: Oh God. Yeah. But yeah. So, so now they have reached the other side of this bridge and they begin to descend. Huh? They, they descend back to earth. Uh, Chris clutches the railing with one hand. Uh, the other is stuffed in the pocket of her coat. Um, both of Karis's hands are in his pockets, right? Um, they're not yet sure of each other. Either, neither one is, is ready to open up, right? Even the stairway seems to like separate them with Mm -hmm. a line, right? Him on one side and her on the other. Another cut, you're a friend of Father Dyer's, right? Yes, I am. Pretty close, pretty close. Did he talk to you about my party? Now, up to this point, the conversation has been pretty much like this, right? They're both wearing masks. Mm -hmm. In Chris's case, it's almost literal as well with the the glasses and the scarf, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Karis is polite. He is friendly, even gentle in his answers, right? But also, he's, he's not letting anything slip through until, did he talk to you about my party? And again, we see this, smile on his face, right? It's, it's small this time, just a a smile of remembrance, right? He says, he sure did. And then something happens. They are approaching this like wooden, not a, not a pillar, like, like a support beam. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's in the foreground. It might not even be supporting anything. It might be, uh, it might be a signpost. Mm -hmm. Um, And they pass behind it and emerge on the other side with the asking and the answering of this question about my daughter. No, I didn't know you had one. And there it is. Now they're on the other side. The conversation has passed from the land of small talk into more serious matters. Mm -hmm. Again, we got the camera putting things between us and the characters, right? And at this crucial transformative moment. I love it. Now, Chris is surprised and a little confused. Like, he didn't mention her? No. To which Chris responds with a simple Oh,
1: (laughs) I think it's really interesting that like they are having this misunderstanding, I think, about Mm -hmm. about the party. Right. So when she says, you know, let's let's do this actor's exercise. Like, I mean, you're acting coach here. uh, So you are playing Chris. Right. And when you say my party, what are you thinking of?
0: I'm specifically thinking of Reagan peeing on the rug.
1: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So it's this really interesting thing where where so he's she's saying, did he tell you about my daughter peeing on my rug? Right. He's Mm -hmm. like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. I heard about it, but that's <laughs> but that's not what he is responding to at all, right? Right. Because Father Dyer, it turns out, has kept that secret. Um and yes. it's just mentioned the part about, oh, we stayed up till three o'clock in the morning when we were on the piano. And I, was, and- I was playing
0: doity doity doity. Right. And-
1: everyone was everybody loved me. We talked about heaven, etc. Right. There was a bunch yeah, yeah. there's an astronaut and a senator, <laughs> right? Yeah. All sorts of crazy things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so he's like, Oh yeah, this infamous party. And she's mm-hmm. like embarrassed about well, obviously, right? Because she thinks it's mm-hmm. about the and So like that's really wonderful. They're having this uh, misunderstanding and that the movie is trusting, um, trusting us that it's going to be okay. that that we have this misunderstanding about it.
0: Yeah. 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 I really like that. Yeah. And and, uh, this this goes back to I think we were talking about this in a previous minute Mm -hmm. just about subtext and how you can how you can say like, yeah, did she uh, like uh, did he tell you about my party? And we're not like, yeah, of course she is not thinking it's like, Oh, did you, did, did father Dyer tell you about like what a great time we had about at my party.
1: <laughs> right. No, but how, how great he was at the party. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> he's, he's thinking, or she's thinking specifically like, did this, did this information leak? Out? No,
1: let me not say it that. <laughs> Well, you did say it Lester. <laughs> I did say it. And I hope you're happy. No.
0: Um, <laughs> No, but did did this info get out about my daughter right. peeing on the rug? All you have to do is say, that party,
1: right? I wonder if she's, you know, she's embarrassed, obviously. Right, because probably Mary Joe and the senator, they've all said, mm-hmm. they've all gone around town talking about it, because of course. Those are all, like, big people right. that, would, that would have connections, and it's like, yeah. Washington society has been talking about mm-hmm. this party, right? Because it's, right, yeah. that has never happened before. This little girl mm-hmm. says, you're going to die up there. Watch this. da 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 Right? <laughs>
0: I thought the straw hat was a little bit much. I mean, was, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then um, yeah, so I th- and she's probably hope help. Uh, she's probably hoping, right? He's like, "Did you did you uh, hear about my party?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, he told me about the party." And then she's like, "Well, then you see what I'm talking about, right?" My,
0: so right. in a way, so so okay. Now now I think I see what you're getting right. at, Keenan. And so rather than uh, being embarrassed, mm-hmm. like she's she's hoping that she doesn't have to explain more, right? Right. Because she's like, oh, if, if you know about the party, then you then know you why them. I called yeah, you. Here. My
1: daughter's having these behavioral problems. Right. And yeah. Like, yeah. But he said he's like, oh, yeah. Hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Right. Your party. Great time. Hysterical. Wonderful thing. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <He> just,
0: <laughs> so oh, oh, is, is that what you is that what you you called me over here for? Right. And Chris is like, yes. Yes. Father <laughs> he's like, so you want to invite me to your next party? <laughs> What? No. Say, I can play the piano, too, you know. Right. I, I'm no Father Dyer, I, but let can, me tell you. I can you.
1: cut a rug. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been pissed on. Yeah. That's the Triumph the Insult Comic Dog version of The Exorcist, right? Yep, yep, yep. A great rug for me to piss on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting. Like, like you talked in the previous minute, and said this was similar to the um, Kinderman Kara scene where they're sort of filling each other out, and that's yeah. about to ramp up in our next minutes. But I think it's mm-hmm. really, really interesting to see where they, but you know, the series of wrong feet that they get off on here, where, where yes. they yeah, like the misunderstanding of who is who, like he's not dressed properly, um, mm-hmm. right? She thinks that he's a, a psychiatrist who happens to be a priest when he's actually a priest who happens to be a psychiatrist, right. and it's then this, way yeah, then right. this very strange misunderstanding standing here
0: oh well i didn't even i didn't even clock any of that that is thank you for bringing that
1: this is a know. complicated you know and again like like um i think all the exorcist is great but i'm really drawn to just this straight drama that is just so well yes written directed shot edited performed just great mm-hmm. scenes yeah. even without the demon there
0: yeah and you know, and the demon stuff is eh, it's pretty good I mean, it's, <laughs> like, you know, it's pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so that is that is uh that is that is all of my notes. Um, Keenan, is there anything else we got?
1: Of course, there is, Lester. You oh, scamp. wait, what, Lester? It's your birthday. It's my
0: birthday.
1: <laughs> we I c- mean, I know. I, of course, I know. Oh, I was, oh, yeah. I'd be that be. I'd was, be very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> if i didn't know you didn't know but happy birthday lester thank you for spending your time with us you know interview you know doing this uh, recording here for the show and yes oh thank you thank you happy happy birthday i hope it's going really well uh sorry i can't be there with you since i uh i'm sick but uh,
0: we're still we're still being safe folks um we're uh you know but we're we 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 decided you know we'll still do the show um but yeah we're just uh, we're just keeping everybody safe here
1: yeah i just have a cold and it but it's like yeah, I don't want to be around anybody for any of this ever again. <laughs> like, yeah. pl- I don't want to give you what I have. It's disgusting. You've seen Reagan's It'll lips. Be the
0: worst birthday present. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Lester, just just I want to appreciate everything you do uh, for Aww. me, not just on the show, but since we're on the show, you know, all of the work that you do behind the scenes, everything that's uh, that's not literally just my voice talking here, Lester does. <laughs> the music, the editing, the the writing, and planning, everything is all Lester. So congratulations on everything we've got so far <laughs> and happy, happy birthday.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you so much. This is this is oh, this is this is bringing it back, Keenan, because you were like you you told that uh, that story uh, on on one of our previous minutes mm-hmm. about well, like when I was uh, uh shooting um and I did this. Oh, in front of the
1: that's right, yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> you surprised me with my birthday? That's one of my favorite birthday memories. Oh,
0: well, folks, from all of us to all of you, <laughs>
1: happy birthday! <laughs> I don't know how to, how to end that. Right, that's the ultimate, like, enjoy your movie. Oh, thanks.
0: You too. Oh. You too. Oh.
1: Uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, excellent day for birthdays. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Kenan. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, I did not expect that, but thank you. Yeah. Okay. So. Folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark.
1: And I've been Keenan Dias, and you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan.
0: Yeah, we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join. We'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. And hey, if you want to give me a birthday present, Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a really swell birthday present, is give our uh, show a five-star rating that would be great we really appreciate you guys uh listening and uh and letting other people know that's going to help our uh podcast grow and find more cool people like you all right keenan are you thinking what i'm thinking
1: i think i am lester
0: folks until next time the the power power of of Jung compels compels you I give it a ten out of ten. Yeah, it's Uncle Tito. She's like, yeah, it's very good. Her head—it's uh, you know. Well, I'm not gonna say it. You—you're waiting for me to say it. I'm not gonna say it.
1: You know, it's a—it's a, a dummy. You can see the strings. Uh.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, this part right here, where she. Uh, she walks on her hands and her feet, but she is upside down.
1: <laughs> Different actor lady. <laughs> Not really the girl. So, Frankenstein, you're here too. <laughs>